Hi, everyone. This is the Broke Girl Society podcast. I'm Christina. Thank you so much for listening in. Today we have Lydia's story. And what's different about Lydia's story is she is coming to me just like three days into her kind of recovery abstinence journey. And she reached out to me and was curious if she could come on and talk about processing, you know, the next steps and what recovery is going to look like. Uh, Because, you know, at this point in her journey, she is looking for stories that kind of are right around the same uh, journey that she is at the moment. And so she thought this would be really helpful for anyone out there who's just finding the podcast, who's just trying to figure out what recovery looks like and trying to understand addiction and, and everything that goes in it. There's a lot of emotions in those early days. Um, I, I recorded some vlogs on Instagram. So you can find my Instagram at the Broke Girl Society. You can find me at the Broke Girl Society in pretty much most of the social medias. But um, I think I recorded some when I was 60 days, 90 days, and kind of talking about like first paydays and things like that. And I'm really thankful that I I stepped out of my comfort zone and I recorded those because that kind of paved the way for me to do this podcast. I think I started this podcast when I was maybe four months in recovery. You know, I've been recording my journey ever since, which has been a roller coaster. But Lydia wanted to come on and, and just really kind of talk about the emotions and everything that she's going through. And I'm super, super grateful for that. So there's a couple of things I want to run over before we get started on Lydia's episode. Um, the first thing is I I don't ever – I mean, I think I do occasionally mention that there is a support group, uh, the Broke Girl Society support group on Facebook. Um, there are tons of women in there. I think we're over 700 women in there right now and a handful of men uh, that, you know, we support and encourage and and trying to be there for each other on this journey. So if you're looking for some extra support as part of trying to figure out what recovery is going to look like for you, join us there. Um, like I said, that's the Broke Girl Society. It's on Facebook. Um, we'd love to be able to walk this journey with you. Second, my sponsorship is looking a little different for 2023, Gamban, which is an amazing company. If you or somebody you know is struggling with online gambling, go to their website, gamban.com, download that software, put those barriers in place. It's really an awesome tool, and I will continue to support that tool, Um, but their marketing is shifting a little bit. So 2023, I don't have a sponsor uh, yet, but I did start a Patreon. And if this podcast has been helpful to you and you support the work I'm doing, I would appreciate, uh, I think I have a $3 tier and a $5 tier of just support the work. And all that money goes to offset the cost of the podcast and the expenses like travel and stuff for the conferences I do for advocating for gambling harm. So Um, it's not anything I use personally. It's just helps offset my advocacy work. So just wanted to throw that out there. It's really hard for me to, to start the Patreon and to tell people about it. But at the same time, um, the support could really go a long way in, in helping with the work that I do. So, all right, enough of all that. Let's get into Lydia's story. Here we go. All right. Hi, Lydia. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being willing to share your story. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. So we'll kind of give listeners an idea of where you're at in recovery, if you feel. Yes. So just first of all, I want to say thank you for the work that you're doing, because when I was looking for a podcast and just trying to find some support and just curious about recovery in this topic, I was drawn to your podcast because obviously focusing on helping women. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. And I am not officially, I don't know how to say I'm not officially in recovery yet. I'm exploring recovery options. I'm trying to figure out what recovery could look like for me. So as of today, it's like my third day, I haven't placed a bet. So Okay. I don't even know how to say it properly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think that says it. And I think it's just important to just acknowledge that, hey, this is something you're trying to explore, that you're trying to understand. And I thought it would be you and I had talked previously and, you know, we talked about concerns of not being fully in recovery yet. Um, but I think you and I agreed that this was something that people 
can relate to is the beginning of the journey of recovery. Like what trying to figure out what feels right for us, trying to figure out how best to advocate for our needs. And so I think this will be a great conversation to have together as we kind of talk about your story and, and maybe talk about things that have been helpful for you so far and things maybe you're thinking about. Yes, I agree because I'm looking, I'm trying to, when I'm looking at these different podcasts and I'm scrolling through the episodes, I'm trying to find something I can relate to. So I'm looking for those early stages of the recovery, early stages of the journey. How did somebody accept they needed help and actually find resources? And so for me, I'm scrolling through episodes going, okay, I'm kind of bypassing some, then I'm looking at others and okay, maybe a placeholder for later, but I'm looking for that beginner's journey because I would love to talk to you next January to say it's 365. But as we know, I'm, I'm just focusing on today, but how, it's like, how do we start if we decide this is something we want to explore? I'm very, you know, I don't know anything about the steps. And so, you know, it's just a little overwhelming. So I think for anybody like me, who's very, very early, maybe this could be helpful. Oh, absolutely. And we can kind of talk um, later on kind of things that you have been looking at and and kind of if you, if you have any questions on anything that I can help you with, we can kind of chat about that. Let's go ahead and, and kind of start talking about this journey with gambling for you, like kind of maybe when it started for you, let's start there. Yeah. So I was thinking about that because I thought to myself, back when I was married to my first husband, you know, we maybe went to Vegas every now and then, but it wasn't like an on, you know, we didn't even know anything about being a rated player. Like I knew nothing about it. We, We went on one cruise, we went to the Bahamas. I think maybe somebody told me to put $10 on a slot machine and I spent the $10 and it was done. I didn't even think anything of it. I didn't really know what I was looking at. You know, it's like that first experience or exposure. And you're like, what is this? I can tell you that my mother loved the casino. So my mother growing up, she would go to bingo at church. And so I saw that side of it, but I didn't really consider bingo to be harmful. So it was like, I didn't even give it another thought, you know? And then I did notice that she really liked to go to the casino a lot, but I didn't have any idea the extent of her issues. She's no longer with us. So I could openly say that she did have a gambling issue. She probably should have gotten, you know, help. Um, But it wasn't really until I got divorced and I moved back home within the vicinity of my um, immediate family. And I had a friend who loved to go to the casino and she invited me and we would go and we'd go see a show like a concert. I love music. I love concerts. So we go see a show and then I'd sit with her while she played the slots. Like I didn't even play. I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I said, you know, you look at it in, in the beginning, it's a foreign language almost. And so Then, um, you know, I started playing a little bit here and there, but it wasn't anything major. And as everybody can tell you, you hit the first jackpot and you're like, what is this? And then I didn't even know what to do with it. So I didn't even file the W2G with my taxes because I didn't even know what I was supposed to do. Yeah. (laughs) That's a whole other conversation. But um, it really started out pretty harmless for me. And then... It got more serious, I would say, definitely right before COVID. So I'm married now to my second husband, and we have some mutual friends who love the casino, and they're very high rollers, and they have a lot of perks. And so they would invite us out and very open about the fact that they love to gamble. They they know they're gambling addicts. They will never give it up. So I thought that was so strange to openly talk about how they are gambling addicts, but never, never even consider recovery because they know that they can never go again. So anyway, a lot of our social occurrences happen to be related to the casino. Now, my husband hates the casino because he hates the smoke. He doesn't like the atmosphere. It's it's toxic to him. Like he doesn't like it. And for me, I think I just, I just, I was fun and I, and I love to have fun. So 
probably I would say back in 2015 or 2016, started going a little more with my friend again, though, she had comps and she would treat to things. So it wasn't like it was a financial burden. It wasn't anything that became an issue. And then in 2019, right before, no, I'd say 20, 2020, um, right before COVID hit, I remember it was February. And I was talking to my daughter who was like 16 at the time. Um, no, I'm sorry. I think she's like eight, 18 or something. Um, my mom had passed away in 2018 and I had a lot of different things happening in my life. I had bariatric surgery. Um, I was trying to get healthy and get the weight loss journey going. <clears throat> and I lost my mom and we ended up taking over her car payment because my stepdad was 80. He was like in, in his early eighties and he was, you know, lost a third of the income for the household. So I kind of took over his finances and I was helping him restructure everything. And so I took over the car payment and I'll never forget this. I'm like, I consider myself to be a very positive, optimistic person. I'm like a master manifester. And I said to my daughter, it was February. And I said, when I ever win a jackpot, I'm going to pay off your car. And she goes, mommy, no, 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 no. If you ever win a jackpot, you keep that money for yourself. And I said, no, I'm going to pay off your car because we took on this extra financial burden. Don't ask me why I thought that was going to happen. But probably after my mom died, I noticed I was going a little more often. But no, again, nothing like financially destructive or catastrophic. So it was February of 2020 and I hit a massive jackpot. And I immediately told my daughter, I'm paying off your car. And then by the grace of God, COVID shut down the casino. So I have to tell you, it was like winning the jackpot was either the best thing that happened to us or the worst thing that happened to us. You know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. It's like, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, we paid off the car. That's so great. Um, but then I wanted to start going more. And I did. And then we had the COVID shutdown of the casino. And that was probably the best three months of my life because I wasn't gambling. Mine too. And then I noticed, I was like, wow, it it, it, it felt so, you felt a little helpless because you were like, it was out of your control, but you're like, now my outlet of fun and a source of income all of a sudden is gone. I didn't know what to do with myself. And then the fact that I'm a teacher and then having to teach virtually and just listen, none of us could have ever predicted what life was going to look like in COVID. But I know this. I wish that casino had never opened back up again. <laughs> um, so what happened was I remember talking to my one of my really good friends, the one who gambles a lot. And she said, you know, Hard Rock Tampa, because I live in Florida and, and we have Hard Rock Hollywood is like right, right up the street from my house. And she said, you know, her Tampa is going to open. It's like May 21st. They've already announced they're going to reopen. And everything was marketed with the safe and clean team. And, you know, everything's safe. It's not going to be a problem. And we had, we had seriously considered driving to Tampa. And I thought, this is ridiculous that I'm giving such a high priority to this in my life. Anyway, so fast forward um, to when the casinos did open again was July. I started going again with... Um, my friends and my birthday's in July. And I just was hitting so many jackpots and 2020 was just a ridiculous year. So then I realized probably by November and I'll tell you what happened to, to us. We, unfortunately, we've had a lot of trauma in our life. So not that it excuses your behavior, but the casino became an escape for me because I was grieving. Sure. So in, in, you know, Thinking of looking back, I wish I had a really good grief therapist that was my was my partner in crime, not the casino. So September 2020, my kids lost their father. My ex-husband passed away and I was devastated. I was like devastated for them, devastated for me. You know, I had lost my dad. I lost my mom within two years and then I lost my ex-husband and I was like, and we were still in the thick of COVID. I mean, we were going back to school, but we were just not healed from any of that yet. We were still in a lot of unknown territory, but I went to the casino and, and I'll never forget it. I, I just couldn't wait to get back to the casino. And, and it just became my escape. 
So by November, I had taken my daughter. We went to dinner. You know, her friends love to go because we go to the pool and have pool days because mom could get comp rooms, you know, all the perks. And I'll never forget. I had, you know, blown a bunch of money and I, and I said to my daughter, I said, I, I have a problem. I, I said, I can't, I can't stay here tonight. We can't stay over. I need you to pack up your stuff, get your brother. We're leaving. And we left. And that was really a big eye opener for me. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough of an eye opener. And again, I wasn't really in tune to the podcast community. I wasn't, you know, really, really didn't know what was going on. I couldn't even navigate those waters because I didn't have any clue what I was going through, really. And then, um, you know, all throughout 2021, you know, kept up the behaviors, kept going more frequently. And I even said to my husband, I feel like I'm, I just like the casino a little too much and it's too much. I think I need to back off. So being the good Catholic that I am, I gave up gambling for Lent. So I gave up gambling for 40 days of Lent. And I thought, well, if I can give up for gambling for 40 days, then surely I don't have an issue. And I, I go to Cocoa Beach every um, summer for two separate weeks. And I tell you, I felt the most peace in my life when I was nowhere near a casino. And I was at that beach. And that felt really good to me. But the minute I got home, I couldn't wait to go to the casino. And so fast forward to, you know, 2022. And this past year has just been a financial disaster. And I had gotten to a point where... I had an American Express with my husband and he saw a cash advance. Like I was out playing one night and I wasn't done. I wasn't ready to go home and I wasn't done playing. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. I hadn't had my fill of fun yet. And I took $500 out of the ATM on the, on the American Express, knowing full well that he was on that card. He could have seen it any time, but I didn't care. And he discovered it on a statement and we had a pretty big blow up about it. And that's when I was like crying. And I was like, listen, I, I just, I just wasn't ready to leave. I'm so sorry. And the bottom line is I had made the payment the next day. I had, to, I had the money in the bank. I just, I did, I stopped bringing my ATM cards with me because I was trying to control it. Right. You think, yeah. you, can, you think you can curb the appetite a little. So I had been at that point where I had the money in the bank. That wasn't even an issue, but I went in immediately the next day made a payment like that would make it better. I don't know why I thought that. And I even told him, I'm like, I made the payment the next day. It's not a big deal. But to him, $500 was a big, huge deal. So that started to be a big eye opener for me. And then um, at one point we were going to do like a refinance of our, our condo. And we had a 15 year mortgage we were going to refinance to because I was really, really trying to get debt free to curb the gambling um, to keep it budgeted and controlled, which we all know doesn't work. And then we talked about it and I said, I don't know if this 15-year mortgage is such a good idea. And I couldn't wait until I was off the hook and could start using my credit cards again. And that's when it just got out of control. Hmm. And then I closed all my credit cards, so I couldn't get cash. So like, I know I was aware of it and I kept trying so hard to stop the bleeding, but then I was still in the debt. And I do want to be transparent with audience that I'm a finance teacher and I'm supposed to be so great at money and I can give everybody else all the best advice in the world. It's like the fat doctor who's going to give people advice on how to lose weight, you know? Right, right. So, and being that I was over 300 pounds at one point, I'm not trying to fat shame anybody because I was very overweight, but like, I would never judge somebody's weight or tell them how to lose weight. I can only share what I'm doing for myself. And if you want to try it, fantastic for you. So I knew that I didn't want my kids to ever be in this position. And I kept struggling with, they've lost their dad. And now I'm at a point in my life where if I don't get this finance, this financial thing under control, then I'm going to have to just admit to my family that I am just out of control. I'm sorry. I, I know you love me even with all my flaws, but... I really, the fear of disappointing my people who love me was just the worst thing I could ever imagine. Right. 
So at that point, you know, I'm all throughout 2022 opening credit cards, closing credit cards, paying stuff off. I mean, you know, taking every extra side hustle. I have a dog sitting business and making all this extra money to try to pay things off and really just robbing Peter to pay Paul. And this past um, December, you know, it's a few days ago, I said, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. So I, I ended up having to take a home equity line of credit on the house I inherited from my mom, which my mom's house has a mortgage on it still because she was no good with money. And I know why now, because she was a gambler also. And she was always worried about money and I never could understand it. And now I do. Now I know why she'd borrow money from me and then she'd pay me back. And then she always was so stressed about money. And I'm like, but you, you and my stepdad make a decent living. I don't understand it. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, like how it really isn't so much about the money at all, really. Right. Because I tell my finance students, you can be a broke teacher. You can be a wealthy teacher. You can be a broke doctor making $400,000 a year if you're gambling. So um, my story is just, I knew if I didn't do something to take control, it was going to spiral into something very bad. And at one point I was like, are my kids better off without me because I'm a financial disaster? And I knew that wasn't true, especially having lost their dad. I was like, my kids are definitely not better without me. I need to be here for them. I need to be physically present. And they would love me whether I had $0 in the bank or not, you know, but I want to be better for myself. I want to be better for my husband. I'll be better for them. And I just, I think because money has come to me so easily because of the loss that maybe I have placed that it's like disposable and it's only in my life in an influx when people die. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe I don't have respect for money and that's why I go blow it in the casino. I don't really know. And I think that is something that, again, I want to explore and I want to get help with because I think it's really important. I had never really, I don't think, have addressed the grief yeah. and the trauma because I'm an optimist. I'm like, listen, no matter how crappy the day is, I woke up today, I get the gift of another day. So I'm better off than somebody who didn't. So I'm always trying to build myself up and be positive, positive Polly. But at the, the same time, there's some things I have to work through that I have not ever really addressed. Yeah, so and I, can, here I, I can, am. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you being so honest and, and vulnerable. Um, and I can see where grief plays a huge role in, you know, you're, you're receiving this money and it feels like you'd rather obviously have the person right. Than this. Yeah. So maybe hanging on to this money is like harboring a lot of those feelings of grief. And it's just like, if you get rid of it, maybe the grief will go away, you know? Um, but I don't know, that's just me projecting. But, um, when you look at your mom's history with gambling, did you not probably not realizing it was addiction at the time? Um, because it's always hindsight, right? Right. Did you ever really witness addiction that you could really associate addiction with? Um, you know, growing up or or in your family that you could have connected one to two? I think it wasn't growing up because, you know, when I grew up, it was finish your food on your plate. You know, you can't waste food. There's people starving in Africa, you know. Um, and I was heavy as a child. And I've never, ever wanted to label myself a food addict. So I didn't really accept that about myself. I just said, I love food and I love fun. So when I was the casino, I love fun. Now, as far as addiction goes, my ex-husband was an addict. He um, went to rehab several times for pills. And I, when my daughter was six months old, he went to rehab for the first time. And I just was like, oh my God, what is going on with my life? And the first time he was so remorseful and of course I stayed with him and, you know, I ended up having two children and, you know, but by the time it was 11 years later and I was like, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, he, he went to rehab and it was like nothing. It was like, there was no, I'm sorry. There was no, I'm, I'm, I'm really want to get well this time. So then what happened was after we got divorced, he actually started drinking. And he was never a drinker when we were married. I mean, every now and then, but not like anything crazy. And then he became an alcoholic. And he also had bariatric surgery. So I think the one thing 
you know, that what I would like to explore also is, you know, maybe finding an expert to help me with the transfer addiction, because people that have bariatric surgery, when you're getting rid of food, there's got to be something else. When we're getting rid of gambling, is there going to be something else? I'm hoping there's not going to be anything else. I'm, I'm just trying to work this one day at a time for myself with the gambling, but, um, you know, and then sometimes you just wonder, can I ever just feel normal or am I always going to have something wrong with me? So I think that's, I think that's a barrier to recovery for people, especially like me who are like, no, even on my worst day, I have it so much better than so many other people out there. I'm so grateful. So why do I have to label myself with this horrible thing, but I have to accept it? Yeah. And I think, you know, you may, you'll, you're going to find a, a new normal. You're going to find a feeling that just feels better, you know, as far as like a new normal. Um, because I know for me, I got really comfortable in the chaos of the gambling and the, the addiction and, and that felt normal to me. And so like the stress was, of, of having the stress of it, it was just like, there was the a stress. high to that, you know, of like figuring out the, the mess that I was making, you know, um, and there was, but I had a, a chaotic childhood too. So that also felt comfort, comforting to me. So my new normal was just finding comfort in the peace of recovery, not having yeah. to um, stress about cutoff notices or um, car payments, you know, cars getting repossessed. And, and that kind of like my yeah. new normal was getting comfortable with the fact that I could pay my bills on time and that was okay. And, and there's been some episodes where we kind of talk about this self-destructive feeling that kind of is always lingering a little bit. Like when things yeah. get too good or things get too comfortable, then I kind of have this feeling, this overwhelming feeling of like, Oh, how can I blow this up? And, you know, I've, I've learned through my recovery, the tools to kind of work through those feelings as well. And, you know, that's my own journey of trying to figure that out. You know, why do I not feel worthy of peaceful moments, you know? And so that's been a lot of my journey of recovery. And so it'll be really great to walk with you while you're trying to figure out what, what the internal issues are. Um, we know grief is, is a huge factor in a lot of people who struggle with addiction. And so that's going to be a journey in itself is learning to work through that grief, because that's probably one of the hardest emotions or feelings any of us can bear and to experience so much of it in such a short period of time, that's a lot of hurt that has to be healed. And I think as you start to work through that process and you start untangling those feelings, um, you're going to find, you're going to find some, some release of, of some of that and, um, be able to see things probably a little bit more clear. Cause I think when we work on these internal issues, cause I, I say this a lot is gambling for me was definitely a symptom of internal issues. And so as I started to work through these internal issues, um, you know, the, the need to gamble just lessened and lessened and lessened the need to self-destruct lessens and lessens and lessens. And so yeah. it's not, it's not about, it's not about meetings and, and things for the rest of your life. It's, it's really about just healing and creating a life that we don't want to escape from. And I promise you, the more healing that you do, the more you get curious about what's next for you and what life is going to look like without this gambling monster. Um, you're going to feel that peace. You know, you're going to feel, feel a lot of that. And it's not going to be this constant thing in your life. Um, and that's really, I think hard in those first 30, 60, 90, six months is like, you're still just kind of waiting to get past this feeling of like, I miss this. Um, because that's a whole nother grieving process in itself, right? Right, Grieving that addiction, grieving gambling, because it becomes our best friend. It becomes what helps us cope. And so that's like a whole process with itself. And, um, you know, so the first, the first year of recovery is tough. It's a lot of inner work. It's a lot of whether you do the steps or don't do the steps, whether you get into therapy, don't get into therapy, whether you attend online meetings, all these things are going to help, but it's also what's going to work for you to help you deal with these internal issues. I know I was listening to one of your episodes and you were talking about, you know, there's different types of gamblers and I, and I was definitely the gambler who paid the bills first, 
But any extra money, I mean, down to the last penny, where can I spend it? And, you know, I think only because I had that accountability that I have a partner and I, you know, have a husband and I had to keep the lights on and he's never, ever paid a bill late in his entire life. He has perfect credit. He would be horrified if he ever got a notice that the water was going to get turned off. So, and because we're maintaining two households right now, we're in the process of trying to renovate my mom's house to move in to that house. I'm paying two electric bills and two water bills. And, you know, it's, it's really absurd. So for me, it's not even an option. Like the bills have to get paid first, but my goodness, if there's any extra, where do I want to go? And I just, you just wonder why does it have to be that way? And how did I get sucked into that? And how did it happen to me? And, you know, I love a challenge, but it gets old that Friday when it's payday. And then by the next day you have nothing and you're like, Oh, well, how can I rob Peter to pay Paul to get through the next two weeks? Why? Because I love the challenge or do I love the stress? So I, I went through a horrific audit with the IRS and I have to tell you that was probably the most humbling experience. So the first and foremost, I want you to know, I discovered your podcast on the way to or from Cocoa beach. I can't remember, but I was listening to a few and then I found yours and then I just bawled my eyes out the whole entire drive home because it's like, oh my God. And then I talked to my therapist because I do have a therapist and he was like, why can't you just take a couple hundred dollars and just keep it under control? Well, because if I could do that, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You know, there are people who can do that responsibly and maybe they have other issues, but I'm focusing on myself. So that I've really been seriously thinking about recovery since like July been like six months. So I think, you know, for me, it's like, what prevents us from taking the leap? What prevents us from saying, this is the last day I'm placing the bet, or this is my first day. I'm going to go to a meeting. And I even talked to my husband about it. I said, I listened to some podcasts. I was very upset. And we even did. I'm telling you, my husband has so much faith in me. I love him to death, but he doesn't realize because I haven't totally opened up and been truthful about everything. Um, But we did the quiz. I said, Steve, take, let's pull it up right now online on GA and let's take the the quiz. And I think it said, if you answered yes to seven or more or whatever it Mm -hmm. is, I don't know exactly what the number is. Seven or more. I answered nine. And he still was like, honey, I don't think that you have a problem if you can go 40 days for Lent without gambling. So I love his faith in me. And I think when I'm at that point in my journey that I can really be transparent with him and there'll come a time, he will be my best asset and ally because he does have so much faith in me. But it's the fear of disappointing your people, I think. You know? Yeah, that's a big, that's a big one. That's, um, there's a lot of codependency in that, you know, the fear of letting other people down and, and that plays a lot into why we do what we do as well, you know, because we're so caught up in what other people think about us and so caught up in making sure everybody else is okay, that we deplete ourselves and, you know, that can, that can wear us down. And I think, you know, you're talking about, well, what keeps me from making these steps? Like what keeps me from like moving fully into recovery? And I'm just going to ask you, have you fully surrendered to the fact that you cannot control your gambling? Have you wholeheartedly surrendered? Yes. I wholeheartedly know that. And it's, it's not even fun anymore. Like I can tell you, I think it was so fun for so long. It is not fun anymore. Right. It I wasn't fun win, for me. At the I end. do not win anymore. It doesn't matter how much I take with me. It doesn't matter how much you pull from the ATM. It is not fun anymore. And no, what was really not fun getting circling back because I think it's so powerful and impactful. I know a lot of people are probably struggling with the same issue is when I had gone through my audit, I had to pull every single bank statement for three bank accounts for two separate tax years and highlight every ATM transaction. And I was nauseous. I was literally sick to my stomach. That could have easily triggered a person to, to do something drastic. And thank God I'm not that person, but I'm telling you that could push the person. This financial issues could really push you. And I, I, you know, I just want to encourage anybody out there that's having those struggles or do in an audit, you know, to not give up hope because 
there is help out there, but it really was such an eye opener. I said, how could I ever? And again, two tax years, I said, how could I ever go through this again? I need 2023, first of all. And I think it wasn't new year, new me syndrome. It was clean tax year. Like never again do I ever want to have to file a W2G. Two year is going to be with a few. Because let me tell you, after my Lent break, they loved me. But um, I want 2023 to be a fresh start of a clean tax year. I want to be able to file taxes with my husband and not married filing separately because we're trying to build this joint life together. And I don't want to bring this baggage with me. Yeah. So that is motivating me. So yes, I know that I do not have control in the casino. I know that I am powerless over this issue. And I know that no amount of money is ever going to be good enough or fun enough for me. And it isn't even about money anymore. I did, but I just cannot take the stress. I cannot take the stress anymore. Are you fearful of what recovery might bring? Yes, I'm fearful because I'm a very open public person. I have my own podcast, which I keep very fun and lighthearted, and I love to interview people. And um, I am a teacher, and I'm I teach finance. I'm telling people to make sure their kids open a Roth IRA the minute they turn 18, so that they have a positive outlook on their future. And who is going to believe my credibility is going to be destroyed if I, I? I'll say it like this, and we talked about it a little bit before. It's like my friends who are sober from alcohol get cheered and everybody is so proud of you when you're sober for two or three years and you can go out to the bar and order your you know, tonic with lime and you're celebrated, but nobody respects this addiction. I, like, I don't feel like it's a respectable addiction to have and I think no addiction is good, but I think that if I would have said I was alcoholic and I'm getting sober, that people would be like in my corner I don't know who would be in my corner because of the financial shame. Yeah, it's it's still a very like there's a stigma misunderstood, you know? a huge stigma, which is why I started the podcast in, in the first place is to try and break that stigma and, and, you know, put information out there for people to understand it. Right. And I'm an intelligent person. I'm educated. I have my master's degree. I did, you know, everything I could to form a second career. Teaching is a second career for me. It's not my first career. And I, you know, I, I don't want to be looked at like, how could we trust you with the fundraising for the school if you have this addiction? And I don't ever want to be, you know, feeling shame. I'm already feeling enough guilt and shame in my life for my past behavior. And that's another thing that I want to explore is getting help for the beating yourself up and, and the constant, you know, regurgitation of the guilt and shame. So I have a lot. I have a lot to unpack. This is the very early stage of my journey. So for anybody who's going to follow the journey, <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting ride. I think it's a successful one. Yeah. And as you, as you find that you don't have your coping mechanism, the thoughts become really, really overwhelming of everything you need to fix. And, and you want to fix it all right now. Like you want it fixed now. So you don't have to deal with it tomorrow. Yeah. But that's, that's not recovery. Recovery is, is, you know, work on ourselves every day, really, really try and figure out what's going on with us, being open with how we feel to not only ourselves, but to the people that we love and that are around us and that support us Um, and, and putting up boundaries and, and making sure that at the end of the day, you know, we have to get really selfish about how we're feeling and what we need. And, you know, that's all really hard and scary too. And something I really want you to remember is thoughts aren't facts. And this, this really helped me when I were ha- when I started having thoughts about the type of person I was, or that I'm, I was never gonna be able to do something or, and, and my sponsor would just say, a thought is not a fact, you know, a fact is, is going to be solid and thoughts aren't that they're fleeting. They come in and they, yeah. they show up when we're, when we're down to, to kick us even more. And, and so it's like changing the mindset, changing those thoughts into positive thoughts and you're a positive person. And this is going to be something that's probably going to be easier for you than it was for me. 
And I think as you find your footing in recovery and recovery is a lot about action. It's a lot about doing less about talking. And, you know, as you start to put those actions in place and you start to change those behaviors and you start to put all these barriers in place and boundaries in place, you'll feel more secure about letting people into your journey, but there's no rush. And the only people I, I feel like really need to know about our journey are those that we've impacted by it, you know? And, you know, those are the people that, that you've lied to, or that you've, you know, whatever the behavior has been towards somebody to aid in your gambling, you know, those people deserve to maybe understand what that was about. Um, but you know, I don't feel like the whole world has to know our journey as, as far as that goes. I'm not going to say it's going to be my niche on my podcast because we already have you, but I, um, you know, I'm very open to the conversation and I think I just want to feel like I have a little time under my belt to say, this is the journey I'm on. And this is, you know, I know we take it one day at a time, but three years from now, who knows? And I could in- inspire somebody and, and say, this is where I was yeah. taking an equity line on my house to consolidate all my debt and really having to have that very hard conversation with my family that I even had to do that because my husband had to sign the papers because I had to take a, a, a loan. And to say, I'm I'm so sorry for all my behaviors and what I did, but I got out of it. We're in a good place now. I'd like to get to the other side and feel like, I don't know. I just, I would love to be proud of my journey. And, you know, it's, it's very difficult when you're the one who people say inspire them. And there's this whole other side to you they have no idea about. Yeah, people know I like to go to the casino because I'm posting mm-hmm. concerts all the time. I love music. And I think one of the biggest struggles for me, and I don't know how anybody else out there feels about it, but, you know, I have friends that are sober from alcohol and they can still go to a bar. They can still celebrate their sobriety and have their tonic and do a cheers and don't feel like, you know, they're doing something wrong. But even just walking through the casino, I don't know. I think it's like with dieting. When you say to somebody, you can never, ever have a piece of chocolate ever again. Like, how would that feel if you love chocolate? You know, it's like, for me, deprivation is not, it doesn't work, but indulging doesn't work either. So we're seeing the other side of that. But if you said to me, I could never, ever, ever even walk through a casino again, I want to be able to go to a concert and walk through and not feel the urge to play because I'm so peaceful and so excited about my recovery that it doesn't even bother me. But I know, how do you feel about that? Because I know you've talked about never, no use. I think in one of your episodes, you said I could, I, I could never walk through in the casino ever again. Do you feel that way? I feel like I could, um, I could walk through a casino. I had a, a invitation to do a, a speaking engagement in Vegas and I had to really work through my thought process that didn't end up painting out, but I really worked through my thought process on it and thought I could go, I could navigate it and be fine. Um, I have gone into the casino with people who have self, who I've met there to self um, exclude. Oh, to self exclude. And I was, I was okay in those, those instances. Um, so yeah, I could, I could, I, I don't choose to do that. I don't choose to attend concerts or anything at a casino just because I don't one it's, I don't want to put myself in a position where I have to think about it. Right. And two, um, it's just how I'm just choosing to, to live my life, you know, like, There are other things that I can tend. Do I get to go see all the great concerts? This is just my personal journey, though. Yours is could look completely different. Um, right. I know people who attend concerts. I know people who go to restaurants um, and in in casinos and are able to walk right out. You know, I know people that live in Vegas and so yeah. who are in recovery. And so, yeah, it's absolutely 100% possible to be able to attend a concert in a casino. Um, fortunately, a lot of them now are like separate arenas and separate, like that you can get in and out without necessarily walking through the casino. But, um, yeah, 
you know, you just kind of really plan it out. If you're going to go see a concert um, at a casino, check and see if it's one that has a separate venue for the concert that you don't have <laughs> yeah. to walk through the casino to get in. Of um, course. You know, and I think I could, I could, you know, I could, I could take a break from some concerts for a while. I mean, we didn't have any concerts when we, when COVID sh- shut the world down, we were okay. <laughs> we yeah, were, and we I think, made it through. You know, you can find other things, go to like comedy venues or I love a good comedy show. Like, yeah, I, that's, that's something that has really helped me in recovery. I love to laugh. You know, when I was really feeling down, I would get on YouTube and watch like funny cat videos. And of course now I'm obsessed with TikTok. So like, <laughs> you know, and, and most of my TikToks are like animal funny videos. And it's just like, I love to laugh. And that has been such a healing thing because for so long, when I was deep in my addiction, I wasn't laughing. I found humor hard to come by and I was just so down and broken. And, um, so now I just love to laugh. Like I think so far, I mean, I think last year I went to like six comp six or eight comedy shows of like some big names, some small names. Um, and I just went to like little, little venues, you know, like I saw David Spade and he was at a little venue in Oklahoma city and, it was really nice. And so it was like some of these bigger names I've been able to catch at like smaller venues and, and that have nothing to do with the casino. Um, but even if I chose to go see one here where I'm at and I'm in Tulsa, like the venues are separate from the casino. So I could, I'm technically not supposed to walk on their property because of my self exclusion. And I do not. Um, but if I wanted to go to a concert, I could, Um, but I, yeah, it's just, and everybody in my life here locally knows that I just choose not to participate in those types of things. Um, but that's like, again, that's just my journey of recovery. And, and, you know, if you're a a staunch GA person, they're going to say you do not enter or be around gambling establishments. You don't interact with gambling, um, anything to do with gambling. Right. So, you know, but you have to kind of like, narrate that to what your life is going to look like and, and things like that. And so that's why I'm always trying to tell people, just be curious about what, what you need. If you need to take a break from, from concerts that are going to put you in those venues, that's exactly what you need to do. You know, um, I agree. You can watch the concert. Like it's not as fun, but you can watch a lot of concerts on YouTube. You know, you can go see other concerts that are at smaller venues and things like that. If you just need to get out of the house, but finding thing, finding other things too, that, that could replace those types of things. And it's hard when you're really early on, the motivation is really hard to find sometimes to get involved in other things, you know? So I, I just, what were you curious about before, you know, um, what were things that interest you that kind of went to the side when gambling kind of took over. It's like, start picking right. those things back up. If you're a photographer, pick your cameras back up. If you're a painter, pick your paintbrushes back up. Writing, writing has been huge for me. Um, I'm just finished my first book and that has been a huge like motivator for me. Um, I've never been a writer. I've always loved reading and books, but um, you know, discovering that has been, been really, really great, but um, really, what's helped me tremendously too, is just finding purpose in my story. Um, finding purpose in why I became a person with an addiction, you know, and finding how that can, how I can turn that journey filled with a lot of hurt, a lot of disappointment, a lot of struggle into something that's purposeful for my future. And that, that turned a lot of, a lot of things around for me as well. You know, when it came to mindset work and, and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll, of course, we'll, you're in the BGS. We're going to stay connected through your journey and, yes. and help you figure out kind of what your roadmap of recovery is going to look like. And is it going to be perfect every day? No. Are you going to have good days? Yes. Are you going to have bad days? Yes. Um, does recovery mean that you're going to have a perfect life? No, because life isn't perfect in general, whether you have right. a, an addiction or not, um, unfortunately. But you know, just really trying to understand the growth, um, that comes from, from recovery and, and those types of things. So I think, I think you're going to be, be good at this. I think you're going to be, I don't know if that's the right word, but I think you're going to figure this out and figure out what's going to work for you. And my advice to anybody is just, just stay curious. And if you slip up, don't make it a bad 
don't turn a bad day into a bad week, into a bad month to where you're just back in it again. Pick yourself up the next day. Um, put barriers in place that keep you from making the same mistakes over and over. Um, and just doing those simple things is a really good start for recovery. Thank you so much. Yeah, I I think because, you know, when I talked to my husband about maybe attending a meeting, he was like, because his dad was an alcoholic and he said, I will go to a meeting with you if you want me to. And I said, I could never go into a meeting locally because I'd be horrified if one of my students' parents was there. Not that they wouldn't be loving and accepting because they would be there for the same reason. But the bottom line is I would feel more comfortable with the online community. So what would you recommend to somebody who's thinking about, you know, going to a meeting and doesn't really know where to start? Yeah, definitely. Um, There's a lot of great online meetings. And that's one blessing we can take from COVID is that COVID opened up this whole world of like online meetings that allow people to, to go to these meetings from the comfort of their own home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, a lot of the resources I talk about is gamblersandrecovery.com, um, recoveryroadonline.com. They have meetings like Gamblers and Recovery has meetings 24 seven all over the world. So you, if you need a meeting, you will find a meeting with them. A lot of their meetings are are GA specific or kind of a GA, um, type, but they have all, they, they have other kinds too. Um, you can also do smart recovery. Um, I think you can go to smartrecovery.com. Don't hold me to that. I will put the link in the show notes, um, which is kind of more of a scientific based or learning based program. There's, um, and a lot of those are online now. Recovery Road Online, they have a women's, they have a women's group. They also have um, meetings specific for women. Um, and they're really great resource as well. And then in the BGS, we have the Sunday meetings. Um, yes, I am looking forward to that. I'm, I'm yeah. definitely going to explore that for sure. Yeah, great. We have a wonderful group of women. Um, it's not a real big, big meeting yet. And we have a wonderful group of women and it's topic based. So it's like we explore a topic every week on like, you know, to kind of help us grow and reach outside of the path we're on and, and things like that. So there's a lot of great meeting opportunities. There's also another Facebook group called Women, women Gamblers in Recovery, I believe. And they have a bi-monthly meeting um, every every other Thursday, which is helpful. It's a GA kind of structured meeting. Um, but there's a great, great group of women that run that it's women specific and women specific meetings are extremely helpful because they, they help us connect in ways that maybe we wouldn't connect with if there were men involved. Um, you know, we get to talk about kind of the emotional side of everything, which, you know, I'm not going to stigmatize and say that, you know, that all yeah. groups with men don't do that, but for the most part, we can all agree that they don't. And, um, so that that's a really nice aspect of, of recovery. And that's something that COVID did help us gain for that. So, you know, and there's a lot of just Facebook groups that are women centered and structured and just connecting with those can, even if you get on there every day and set yourself like 20 minutes to read posts, whether they're hard posts to read or easy posts to read, inspiring posts to read. Cause I yeah. like to, I like to post in, you know, inspirational stuff to kind of like get us, get us thinking in a, a positive direction. Um, at and- what point, at what point does a person try to find a sponsor, so to speak, or can you talk to that a little bit? Cause I'm just really curious about that too. Yeah. Um, I think if you're doing a solid like fellowship program or a GA program, sponsors are, are real common in there. Um, so I would say for a sponsorship, I get this question a lot because a lot of people think, you know, that they need a sponsor right off the bat, but I'm going to be honest. Sponsors won't take somebody right off the bat. They want to see that people are doing the work. They, I would say probably a good six months of solid recovery where you're showing up to the meetings every week. You're really putting in the work. You maybe even started to address the steps on your own. Um, you know, you're committed to different groups. Like you're really, you're really committing to recovery and, and how you get a sponsor is by interacting in groups or meetings. Um, and then they get to see that you're really working. And so, because it takes, you know, as a person that I mentor three people right now, and as somebody that does that, it takes a lot of time and energy to do that. And so you want to make sure that the person that you're working with is also matching that time and energy. Yeah. And so, you know, 
that's, that's one of the biggest questions. They're like, well, I can't find a sponsor. Well, sponsors are hard to come by because I think the way that recovery is shaping up, there's not going to, it's kind of loosening the sponsor sponsee um, emphasis, I guess so much, because I think anybody can be your sponsor as far as like, or mentor. And I'm going to do, I'm going to get more involved in this, in the broke girl society, where we start to talk about mentor sponsorship a little bit more. Um, because you can work the steps with a group, an online group. You can work the steps with um, your therapist. You can work the steps with maybe another person who's not necessarily a sponsor, but maybe has some time on recovery with you, just working with another person to work the steps. Um, there's a great workbook called Women's Way Through the 12 Steps. And it's a really a great, it's a blanket workbook for addiction. So it really kind of helps like pull if you have a uh, dual addiction or multi-addiction it really kind of helps you address kind of the internal issues and, and things like that. Um, so that's, that's a great way to just start to kind of explore the steps. And I'm going to tell you, you've already done a lot of work with your financial inventory on your IRS audit. So you'll see oh, yeah. kind of like when it comes time to do that financial inventory. Well, um, you always say you have to stop the bleeding to start the healing. And I, yep. I, you know, I just had to do that because I just couldn't, I just couldn't take another tax year like that. I'm already, figuring I am already panicking about 2022 because that is going to be an eye opener for, you know, what was not a huge year for me with any jackpots, but just having to face that. Yeah. Some, some stuff that I wasn't transparent about and some wins I had that people didn't know about. And, you know, and it's just, it, it, it causes fear, you know? So I just would really love for 2023's tax year to be clean, but I'm still dealing with, you know, 2022. So, well, to give you hope, my 2022 tax year is clean. So I have, that was my first year, um, of no, no tax tickets, um, no gambling. So I'm, I'm really excited to file my taxes for 2022. So knowing, knowing that, you. yeah, knowing that <laughs> you can go into that and, and it's an, it's a goal that, that we all can accomplish, you know, um, and that's my goal for 2023 as well. One of them, one of my many goals, but yeah. So I think as far as, as working for, if, if somebody's listening and they're thinking about finding a sponsor or whatever, you know, the best way to connect with one is to be involved in some kind of fellowship recovery, um, and, and interact with the people there or go to the in-person meetings, you know, you can find somebody that way. But I think, you know, if you're not somebody that wants to do a fellowship, you can work the spot, the steps with, because I think the recovery steps are really important, whether you're part of a fellowship or not, because they really just, they help us address why we're gambling. They help us kind yeah. of look inward a little bit. And so I think anybody in life can gain growth and knowledge and healing just from working these steps. So, but you can get involved at like, we do a step meeting in the BGS. We do a monthly step meeting. So you can work the steps with, with online groups um, together and then kind of work with them on your own and then come back and, and work with them with a group. So there's a lot of ways to continue to move forward. And I think sometimes people will put these roadblocks. Well, I can't get a sponsor, so I can't work the steps. So I'm, I'm just not even going to try recovery, but you got to remember a lot of times that's just an excuse not to try recovery. Right. And so I'm just saying that for people listening who are like, well, I can't find a sponsor, so I don't know what to do. You don't need a sponsor. You don't, you can, you can work recovery with a group of people, you just have to actively be actively be trying to have a better day than you did yesterday, you know, yeah. and actively not gamble and actively grow and heal. And that's recovery. That's what recovery is. It's, it's just trying to be better than you were yesterday. It's trying to do the, the next right thing. And it's trying to, to heal what what's hurting us. And so that's, that's what recovery is. You have any other questions? No, I just, you know, I want to thank you for your time because it's, you know, it's a little bit overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It's a lot overwhelming. It is. And, you know, you question your own intelligence. You're like, I'm an intelligent person. What is going on here? And I think that when you're super saturated with information, it's hard to know where do I start? And I just think, Today, I didn't go to the casino. So today was a good day. That's a great place to start. Today, I did not go to the casino. Today, I did not make my issue worse. Today, today was a good day. And I just, I have to 
to finish out this episode by saying, you know, addiction doesn't, doesn't care how smart you are. It doesn't care what your IQ is. It doesn't care how many degrees you have. It doesn't care the color of your skin, who you love. All it cares is that you're hurting and you're not dealing with it because that's what feeds it. And so I think just really understanding that and accepting that, that it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, what you do for a living or how big your house is or what car you drive. It just matters that, you know, we have some work to do and that's, you know, that's the beautiful part about it. Well, I look forward to having you on my podcast as a guest. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll get it locked down. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and being vulnerable and sharing your story. And we're going to check in with you and see how things are going. And, you know, no matter what, I just, I wish you all the best moving forward. And, and I know, I know you've got this. I do. Thank you. I, I just hope that maybe, you know, somebody else that's sitting out there feeling the same way I am discovers this community and says, you know what? I need to start today. So here we go. She's only on her day three. It's okay. Day three or day 300, at least it's something we're doing it. So, right. Right. And I think if you choose every day, every day to just try, like, that's all we can do is when we stop trying, you know, that the problems really, really get overwhelming, but all right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.